Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Puck Talk Live podcast. My name is Logan Rosengard. With me on the call, as always, we got Rafi Sarafi and we've got Noah Foster. Yes, we know it's been a full week since our last episode. Things took place. Events happened. Time was stopped. And we couldn't have a podcast until today. But a lot happened in that week. A lot. Like, a lot, a lot. Like, so More much. than normal. <laughs> It, it, it's kind of <laughs> scary. Like you, you wouldn't know the difference between a news day, a news week, this week, then, but between that and one during the season. Which I Let's guess just say a lot thing. of a lot of people are buzzing right now. Things yes. things are going down. Everyone's everyone's excited. I think we're going to start off with the most important news. Uh, Ryan Reeves is staying in Vegas. I'm not even going to ask you how you guys are doing. I know you guys are doing good. I've seen you guys too much. Ryan Reeves, Vegas Golden Knights, and arguably, sorry, P.K. Subban, the most, uh, the player with the most personality in the league. You heard it here first. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, without Ryan a doubt. Reeves signed a two-year, $3.5 million deal to stay with the Vegas Golden Knights. There's nothing bad about that. He's a marketable player. He's a good locker room guy. He brings a level of tenacity and ferocity to the game that not a lot of players have. He's one of the true, the last true big men in hockey. Good for him. That's really all I got to say about that. Roman Polak, moving a little bit east, will not play for the Dallas Stars. He refuses to. It's uh, makes no this, this, no sense. Why would he? What the Dallas Stars? I get if you're like the Senators or like Buffalo, and just like I'm done. Dallas must be it. Must, no, it, it must be a management. It's definitely thing. not management, or it's got to be a personal issue, right? He did sign, so he did sign a three year deal with the Czech club HC Vit, Vitkovic. Sure, I'm gonna get Vitkovic. I, I don't mess Vitkovic. Okay, I knew it was gonna mess it up. That's fine. He signed a three year deal with them. He said that Polak, excuse me, said that I'm already determined to play at home. Finishing the season would be like a prison. Yikes. That's some strong words. Yes. Uh, it makes sense, though, because he's already overseas. So it makes sense why he'd already like not really yeah. want to come back. And it's fair. I mean, he's it's it's also not, not like you have like a guy like Sebastian Ajo, Line, Lundqvist, who are overseas right now i don't know where they are but if they're overseas for example in their respective countries them being like oh yeah i'm gonna just stay here for another season if if lundquist said that the rangers organization would be burning to the ground so it's easier for players of his like not saying he's not a good defenseman but like he's he's a serviceable bottom pairing guy he's not a superstar on their team he's yes he's not as valuable and thus he has a bit more wiggle room for where he wants to go. Like, we haven't seen a big name, like, go overseas in their prime or close to their prime Ilya in a while, except for Ilya Yeah, Kovalchuk. besides for Like, Kovalchuk yeah. was, threw off everyone, because normally most players go off to the cage on other stuff when they've lost, the, when they're out of their prime or NHL isn't working out for them and, and they just want to come back home. So, makes sense. I mean, Dallas is going to be fine without him. He wasn't, as we said, like a big piece, so... Yeah. Happy trails to him. Continuing yep. on in that sentiment, just going to quote him. I will, not, I will not lie. It is not for me. The idea that I should jump on the ice after three weeks of training and start playing live 
this is unimaginable at my age. Younger players may be able to do it, but I need two months before I get off the ground so I don't have to do anything else. He continued, it's weird to go back to it like this. Sometimes it occurs to me that there are an awful lot of questions. If it's really worth the money and effort, the bubble, as they call it, that we should only stay at the hotel, at the stadium, and slowly they shouldn't see each other. Even that costs a lot of money to start everything. Earnings would have to be worth it. So he's thirty-four too, so he's it makes an old sense. Guy. He's he, yeah. he so, he's a, yeah. Let us be honest though, even if he still would have probably gone there in like a two, three years because his value is just deteriorated. Like he as I said, solid bottom pair guy. Maybe you have him play like light top four minutes if you have an injury. But then again it's Dallas too, and Dallas for the most part is fine if Klingberg and Heisken and play well and don't let me down in fantasy like they did this year. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him. I'm not surprised that he isn't finishing up this season. Like he said, older guys need some more time for training. But I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if he was back for another season in the NHL, maybe next year or the year after that. But for now, he's overseas in Czechoslovakia. He is a free agent. So. Yeah. Is, also, this might, also European mm-hmm. leagues tend to be a bit more stingier with players leaving, the, leaving a contract before it expires. I forgot who, but there was a player who was looking to come overseas, but because they were signed to like a team in Russia, a KHL team, like they had to finish out their season. Like that happens with a lot of uh, KHL prospects that sign deal, or sorry, NHL prospects that are in the KHL, like Vitali Kravtsov, who although could have came in like in his second year, like was still tied to the KHL team. He still had that contract, so he wasn't able to officially go to the Rangers until or their affiliate team until his contract in Russia expired. So it's a, it's stingier. It looks like we're probably never going to hear of him again, but moving all good. on to some smaller news before we get into our big topic, Matt Dumba launches a rebuild Minnesota initiative. I'm um, assuming this entails everything from the, the aftermath of the George Floyd protests to the uh, fallout from the COVID-19 economic uh, effects, anything to kind of help the Minnesota, Minneapolis area. Good for him. Hashtag good guy alert. Matt Dumba, their best, their best player by far. Sorry, uh, Kevin Fiala. I think Matt Dumba is their best player. Ryan Suter? No, sorry. I, Matt, Matt Dumba significantly better. Sure. And I, Zach Preezy. He's definitely the, yeah. I love Zach Preezy. They're, they're washed up. Everyone else is washed up except Kevin Fiala and Matt Dumba. The NHL PA Eric, is Eric Stahl. <laughs> Eric Stahl is not washed up. Okay. But Fiala is like twenty. Fiala really is twenty three too. You can't. Had a 40 like, of course, he's not washed season, up, right? Stall had yeah. A, yeah. Okay. In other news, yeah. the NHLPA or the NHL is considering starting the season, the next season, January first. This isn't really news. This is kind of just continuing the sentiment that the league, the league is totally okay pushing the back, pushing back next season as they need. It only makes also sense. Okay with this. They're also, talking about complete, complete side note. I hear birds chirping. That might be me, actually. Oh, that's right. You're in a lake house. The Thrashers are back. This is true. Congrats. No. The Thrashers. No, no, no. <laughs> but but uh, Thrashers yeah. are not back, back. to our point, though. There, there has been buzz too about the hope that fans will be able to start coming to games. Once the season kicks off on January first, or the expect like the buzz around the January first date that fans should be able to come. Cross your so fingers and everything. 
Daniel Hood, everything. Yes, just make sure everything's good to go. Of course. Um, yep. But good news here, though. Actually, first, this little quick tidbit. Lias Anderson, uh, defense, uh, defenseman, rookie defenseman for the New York Rangers. You are off by a ton, buddy. He's, He's... a 20, 21-year-old center for the Rangers. I thought it was a defenseman. Okay. Lias no, Anderson was out of New York drafted and will not come o- back until he was traded. Sixth overall pick in, I, be- I want to say, 2017? I think, I think so. Right. I'm pretty sure 2017. But if my, uh, NH- if my NHL 18 logic serves me right or NHL 17 franchise mode logic serves me right, I, I'm pretty sure 2017. Regardless, that's kind of notable news. But then again, do they really need him? Do they do they really need Lyons yeah. Anderson? No offense to I was, him. But like, sorry, pardon me. The seventh pick, not the sixth pick of the 2017 draft. Close enough. I mean, How dare I? Good, good, they can trade him and get big money off of him. They can they can get a big name, big big return on him if that he is, really won't that is come so back false. to the NHL. Are you kidding me? What do you mean so false? He's young, he's impressionable. He, They're not going to trade. It's going to be like the Paul Jujarvi standoff no, where no 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 Bader, no 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 no. Turali first off, but not him. Pugliarvi was mismanaged. Lias Anderson has not been mismanaged. There's yeah, a big of. difference. Pugliarvi was mismanaged, misplayed. And he's killing it. He's willing to come back, by the way. He's willing to come back if, if management uh, wants him back. Talks have opened back up. I don't think Lias Anderson is, is anywhere close to pull Yarvi I just, I'm just saying his value is lower, though. His no. value is lower, yeah, but that doesn't mean they can't they can't reap the benefits if he doesn't want to play for them. It was like yeah, Carolina. But they'll get like they'll Carolina get benefits. Adam Fox or Calgary. Yeah, and Adam Fox. It, my oh, for sure, it'll be something like that. Calgary and Adam Fox. I think that I think he uh, was no Adam Fox got traded from he was Carolina drafted by New Calgary, York. traded to Carolina, traded to New York. Okay, yeah, correct, and. Yeah, like, Leas Anderson, like, he still has value, but he's not going to, like, if this was, if he, if, let's just say he was just still an AHL guy, like, he could still fetch, like, a solid, like, top six forward for him, or, like, a solid uh, depth player and, like, a third or second round pick. But now that he's said that he wants out, as we talked about last show, you, I believe you lose value once you come out and say, I want out of this organization. So... Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be shocked if he gets offloaded for like a second round or a third round pick, or another failing prospect. Uh, I've heard Clinton, Killington, however you say it, defenseman for the Flames, has been tossed up by a lot of people that I've been seeing. Not like official people, but just some buzz. So, yeah, cap friendly people. So, uh, we'll see. But Lyce Anderson was very high on him in the draft in 2017, but. Hopefully, he goes to a team not named the Chicago Blackhawks because the Blackhawks already have their hands full of players. We do not need another centerman. I really don't think we need another centerman. No. Well, I mean, there was the Strom trade. Then there was the Nylander trade. So it makes sense that we'd go with the Leas Anderson to Leas Anderson. But no, we don't need him. We, don't, We're good. We, we just don't need the wing, wing depth or the center depth. Simple no, as that. It, and also, need. the fact that we don't have a second rounder this year and a third rounder next year, the Hawks need to retain all their picks yep. that they have this 100%. year or get more picks. So, speak definitely not the Hawks, but lots of teams definitely would will be on the phone with the Rangers once the season clears up. Speaking of the Chicago Blackhawks, ex-Chicago Blackhawk Daniel Carcillo is suing the Canadian Hockey League 
with a former CHL player as well. But yes, as well, yeah, and he's the biggest. He's the big name. This this is the too. this is a developing story. This is something that we've been he- hearing a lot about for a very long time. Da- for those of you that don't know, Daniel Carcillo was terribly hazed, and hazed is not the right word because I wouldn't consider it hazing. I would just call it brutalized. It's just he was brutalized as a rookie in the Canadian Hockey League and the juniors, as were a bunch of other players that are uh, backing his case up. It's a known fact that the older days of uh, what you could call the boys club that was junior hockey was terrible. Like, awful. Terrible things happened yeah. to rookies. Terrible hazing incidents. At, aside from Daniel Carcillo, we saw we heard stuff from, coming from Akim Aliu, uh, to name another player. And just, there's a handful of examples out there of hazing. To, to put it simply, blatant Violent, terrible, not acceptable incidents, hazing incidents happening to rookies in the CHL system. It's good. He's trying to give his his cause a voice. He's trying to give uh, victims a voice. It's a good thing. Do I think that the league is going to get shut down for this? Because it's a pretty big deal. No. Do I think that things are going to get pretty bad for the CHL? Yes. I think the and CHL it's just is the... on the downtrend because of this case. And it's not just yep. the OHL having this problem or the Q or the W8. It's all three of them that have had multiple problems. The entirety of the Canadian Hockey mm-hmm. League. With Carcillo yeah. coming out, too, saying the stuff that people made him do, which are horrendous stuff that I don't even talk about. I, I can't I'm, – I, 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 you guys know me as the innocent person out of the three of us. I don't – I can't even say some of those words that he was forced to do. Like, it's just that bad. We would certainly have to put something on the yeah. show. Uh, I don't want to yeah, list everything that I don't happened. Wanna, I don't want to get into it. I've read just enough. Know that, I've, I've personally read a bunch of the Just reports. know that I'm it is. I'm not trying to read it again. It's, yeah. it's really, Educate really yourselves. Listeners, educate yourselves. It's, Look at the tweets. Yeah. Shield your eyes. Make sure no kids are around. Or make sure your um, kids are around. You know, educate them. Well, you mm-hmm. don't want them asking questions about that kind of stuff. Because it. Yeah. Okay. Agreed to disagree. Back to my, po- back to my point, though. It's. It, it also shows now that it's not even a thing about race, too. Because, like, Akeem, there was a big thing, like, race, race, race was huge there. But, no, mm-hmm. it's not even that anymore. Now it's just... Just rookies. It's just rookies hazing. The hazing is not just towards a single race now. Now it's just towards everyone. And that's... I'm not saying it was bad, necessarily, what happened to Akeem. But I'm just saying now it's, like, even bigger. Because now it's not just a race issue. It's an all-around... Yep fundamental issue that's going on with the CHL. And this is not the last time we're going to hear the end of this. No. So hopefully Carcillo's story inspires others to uh, give themselves a voice or just back up Carcillo's case. And hopefully major changes are made to the CHL and junior hockey system. This is uh, where it starts. This is where it starts. When it's, it's not, the NHL has its flaws for sure, but it starts with the juniors. It starts with the younger teams. If that's what's going on there, that has a huge effect on the NHL, and the NHL needs to crack down on that. I mean, they're I not directly I... affiliated, but there needs to be they something. They take players in all the time. Yeah, I don't they're... think I've ever heard of an incident this bad. I've I... heard that, like... Well, I mean, um... the Keem situation threw us off for the most part, too, on the NHL level and in the mm-hmm. uh, juniors. But also, the, like, the Carcillo story is just... It's still hazing, which is terrible, but... It, it's just, it wasn't race hazing, but the hazing done, though, is 
even worse than what Akeem went through, even though both are absolutely terrible. And I wouldn't condone of either. And I wouldn't say, oh, I'd rather get this to me, get treated like this than like that. Like, no, the both are awful, but yeah, this it's... is just a whole nother level of terrible. Like, this is, this is like Penn State style, like bad media mm-hmm. news hazing. Like, this isn't. This is not going to end too well for the CHL, in my opinion. So, read, educate yourselves. We don't really don't want to be talking about this on here. Um, it's really horrible what's been going on, and hopefully there are some changes and some uh, reparations made to those affected. We're not gonna uh, we're not gonna feed you guys everything. Like you guys can also you guys have the ability to go yeah. out and search for your own information as well. Shifting to a little bit of a lighter note, I'm just going to fire off of a few minor news notes before we get into the big news story of the week. Bruce Cassidy might sit as top players. That's not good news. I don't like this news. (laughs) I mean, I don't like the I don't like this at all. I I will give my two cents on this and then we'll move on because I do want to spend a good amount of time talking about the Jason Botterill stuff. Well, the Bruins are my second team, so I deserve a a comment too. But you you go first. I'm just saying I'm going to have my thoughts. Uh, Yes. The round robin does not determine whether or not you stay in the playoffs or get knocked out. The Bruins are a very talented team. I think this is a smart move. If you are the four seed coming out of the round robin conference seeding and you're the Boston Bruins as the four seed, hypothetically speaking, and you go on and play the uh, whoever happens to be the top seeded um, Play-in team. So if if it happens to be Pittsburgh, it's Pittsburgh. You're still significantly better than the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's just the momentum that scares me, and it's also the fact that they've played actual like meaningful games, which kind of scares me a bit more. And you could make the case though when you look at the NFL with the bye weeks, how players are rested, and over the last I, I want to say like ten years, there's. I don't think there's really been any seeds lower than the one and two seed who have the buys that make the Super Bowl. There's occasionally like a three seed or a six seed or like a four or five seed, obviously, because those are the other two. But for the most part, normally teams with bye weeks do tend to do well, even when their players are more rested and not playing uh, meaningful games during the weeks that other teams are. So I'm split between it. I'd rather have guys like Pasternak, Bergeron, Marchand, Chara playing some minutes, I wouldn't want them playing their normal shifts, but I would still, if you had them in for like the first and second period playing their shifts, I would be perfectly fine with that. But, and then like third period, you lower their minutes a bit. But he's he has the point though, too, that they don't matter. But I, I don't want the Bruins to somehow get the four seed and then they have to play Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh's all fresh and ready to go after just. Uh, getting past Montreal and like let's say a five game series or a four game series where they had where they're on the ropes and they had to come through and come closer together as a team. So I'm I'm kind of split at the moment, but yep. it's a bold move. I think that as a fan of like all hockey, I really don't like this. I think that it ruins the competitive integrity where you're just like like the punishment for like sitting your best players and like not playing to your team's uh, best performance is you get presumably the best team out of the playing rounds. Like the four will play the five, blah, blah, blah. And like the reward for playing your best players and 
playing your best hockey, assume, assuming you get the one seed, is you get to play the worst team out of the plans. But that's not really that much of a reward for someone like, I don't know, Boston, who's like a really good team overall, and that no, no team really scares them in the playoffs. Um, but then again, so I think do we all remember Tampa Bay last year, though? Exactly. That walked into the playoffs all high and mighty, had an amazing first period versus Columbus, and literally disappeared for the rest of the series after that first period of game yep. one. I agree. But the thing is, is like, um, I, I would, Rafi, I think that your idea is like perfect. Like have them play full minutes um, for the first and second period, the first period, maybe lower their minutes, second period. And then you can sit them all third period. I don't care. But as long yeah. as like, I understand, I understand like, okay, we don't want to go all out because these games aren't as these, we're not fighting for playoff week, lives too. here. Exactly. You're not, it's not like you have stuff, something on the line. You really don't. But I mean, no. in my opinion, like, if the Bruins win their first two games, they're going like, to have a top two seed regardless, possibly even a better, possibly keep the one seed. Or no, they keep the one seed regardless, though, because unless one of the other teams wins three games, they, they would still have the tiebreaker because uh, regular season points percentage. So if I'm, if I'm Bruce Cassidy and the Boston Bruins have won both their games and they've been kind of resting but kind of playing their minutes, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even – bother starting Pasternak, March and Bergeron, those guys for no. the third game. Because that, that's the definition of like an NFL team, week 17, like the Patriots for the most part in years past, just saying, mm-hmm. is it worth having Tom Brady, who's old, get injured, or even having like their, like Julian Edelman get injured yeah, exactly. entering the play? Like there's no reason to do that. So if the Bruins are in a position where they literally won't move in the seating or very minor moves, then yeah, but if you're entering the third game 0-2. You, you need to figure out a way to like at least benefit yourself a bit more and give yourself that question because I, I, I've been very high on Pittsburgh of late, and I think Pittsburgh could be a very sneaky team that wins the Cup this year. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, just want, I just hope that uh, this year, the, um, and like I said, the competitive integrity is maintained. That like this feels like a normal playoff atmosphere, and I'm, I, I well, will it for won't the most part, but because the fans, the fans make it that. Yeah, exactly. But I'm yes. talking about like the players' energy, the players, um, you know, yeah, like, I drive to win. Like I hope that doesn't change in any way. Maybe the officiating gets better. I don't know. Let's ask the Game Five Stanley Cup Final refs if they decide to get some better eyes. But yeah, speaking of speaking. Speaking of, before we move on to our big news, uh, actually just right off that point, I do have an article up on Hot Shots Media that is about precisely what Rafi said, about how no fans will affect officiating. So if you're curious on my thoughts on that, you should check it out on hotshotsmedia.net. Real quick, Braden Holtby will start over Ilya Samsonov. Nikolai Goldobin, uh, Vancouver Canucks forward has signed a two-year contract with Siska Moscow of the Continental Hockey League over in Russia. The opening of Key Arena in Seattle, where the Seattle 32s are playing, <laughs> are, has been pushed back 75 days from the original date of June 1st. And good news coming from the Metropolitan Division uh, underdogs, Columbus Blue Jackets, Seth Jones and Dean Kukan have been activated off of this is the huge. injured reserve list that is huge going into the yep. playoffs. Seth Jones being back big bolster healthy. to their to their uh, blue line because they're very underrated blue line. Columbus really was kind of slumping before the season was shut down with 
I believe Corpy Solo was injured. Seth Jones, obviously, as we know, was injured. As now he's going to be activated. You had uh, a lot of forwards problems with Atkinson, Nyquist. You had some forwards missing time as well. So one of the teams definitely that benefits from this time off is the Columbus Blue Jackets because now they're getting their number one defenseman back. They're going to have their goalies all ready to go and healthy. So it's a really big deal for the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are also a sneaky team. But we'll see what happens. But obviously good for them, for Seth Jones and Kukan. Now to the big news of the week. If you guys have been sleeping under a rock, this is going to be brand news for you. Uh, brand new news for you. Finally. Actually, I wouldn't say finally. And I'll, I'll get into that in a second. Jason Botterill, the ex, now ex-GM of the Buffalo Sabres, was fired by uh, the Pegulas, the owners of the Buffalo Sabres. Senior Vice President. Kevin Adams is now the general manager and his first assignment as general manager was firing 21 other people in the span of 48 hours, including the accidental firing of a uh, player development coach who they did, did end up rehiring, but <laughs> good news for him. <laughs> good news for him. Nice. Uh, Not so good news for the other <laughs> scouts. 20 players. Botterill is out. Kevin Adams, this is not an interim tag. He is now the GM of the Buffalo Sabres. Three years. Jason Botterill had three seasons in the armchair in Buffalo to try and fix a very, very messed up roster. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. He was not a great GM. Well, that's putting it lightly. He was not a great GM <laughs> by any means. Eugene Melnick was, was not, not a big scumbag. He <laughs> was not a terrible. He was not the. He was not a terrible GM either. You you, you get hired in May of 2017 to try and turn around a franchise that had pre-existing chronic issues. And you're expected to bring them back into the playoffs. How? Carefully. I, I would. I will. <laughs> I agree with that. Like it's, it, it's not Bottle's fault that he got put in the position he did. It was a really terrible franchise with not so great leadership, and like not so great players when he started. But the thing is, is like he had three years to do it. But the reason that fans were upset with him and apparently management was too, was he didn't do enough. Like, three years, you're not turning uh, a barely, like, a barely above the very last team in your division into a playoff team in three years. It's not going to happen. You will, like, just be missing the playoffs in three years. The problem is that there's just, like, there's, like, talent with Eichel. He hasn't been able to get any help for Eichel. There hasn't, um, there has been very little movement in the standings at the end of the season. Like we all know they have the big, they have the big push in October and then they fall off a cliff for the rest of the year and no one knows where they went. Uh, But like there hasn't just been enough improvement. Like, yes, he got put in a bad position, but he also didn't do anything to make it that much better. 
I'd say it was it was very unfortunate too, though, because some of the moves he made absolutely backfired. Like example, a Vander yeah. Kane trade, the first round pick, I believe, got traded to the Ducks. Daniel Reagan, the is first round pick, got traded um, to Anaheim, I believe. When they sent, I think they either gained or sent away uh, Brandon Gooley. Yeah, they sent Brandon Gooley. Uh, for... Fourth round pick was traded to Vancouver. And yeah, they got Brandon Montour, who's supposed to be kind of good, but he hasn't shaped out. He's a, he's a, he's a decent defenseman. He's been injured, but he's a decent defenseman. That's, that's what I that's like. A, he's not that's a good piece. Like it's not bad, but for Vander Kane, like, eh. and then you have um, you try acquiring Connor Sheary. That doesn't work too much for you. The O'Reilly trade, as we Logan and I got into it last show, <laughs> mixed opinions. Was never, wasn't a good deal. Mixed opinions. Was not a good deal. The Jeff Skinner trade. The, the Nathan, the Jeff, the Nathan the, Boulier experiment. People forget that was his very first trade. Nathan Boulier, defenseman, came all, came from Montreal off of a 28-point season, top four minutes, power play defenseman. Next season gets nine points and basically – in uh, 59 games. Yeah. And, and doesn't see doesn't see better production until he's traded again. Still as a bottom-pairing defenseman in Winnipeg. Yeah. And then you have the Jeff Skinner trade where it was a good trade because things were looking up for Jeff Skinner. And it was – I still think – I still think it, it, the, there's hope for him. Yeah. But I still the, think there's the, hope for the Skinner. The big yet. problem, though, with that – was that the, the the big problem was the fact it was a signing it was oh he, no you're right he, uh, he they, it was a trade and sign it was a trade and sign mm-hmm. so yep. the big deal was though you can't trade for someone's rights and just not be able to retain him so he Jeff Skinner had the up the upper hand in that and obviously got absolutely paid and hopefully has a better season in the future but right now it's not looking too good this season definitely was not good for him. Um, no. Colin Miller didn't really fit too well. Buffalo gave up a St. Louis's second and a fifth in different years. Uh, the Yogi Harju trade for Nylander looks like a good trade for both. That's a good trade. I think it's a good trade for both sides, in my opinion. Yogi Harju is is a top four defense. Hawks didn't have space for him. Nylander maybe Dylan Strump two point So we'll see what happens. Um, I'm so optimistic about that trade. Uh, and then they acquired Dominic Cahoon and Wayne Simmons and Mikhail Frolik at the deadline or near the deadline and. They didn't really do too much, so it's unfortunate. I think Bodrill was definitely trying, obviously, to make Buffalo and into a contender and help uh, Jack Eichel get the pieces he needed. But it, it was just unfortunate. I mean, the thing was for me that really bothered me was he was making trades for Jeff Skinner. And he was making trades like this season for Cahoon and like showing signs that he was like looking like he was going to, they were going to be a contender, but he also made trades like the year before, like, Oh, we're training O'Reilly. We're trading Evander Kane. Like we're making like, yikes. I think he got caught. Oh yeah. He was caught. I, I don't think, I don't think you can blame them for trading that they were the, the Evander Kane trade. They were nowhere near a playoff spot. And that's what the Ryan like they O'Reilly were trade. That was a, the, the Ryan O'Reilly trade was terrible. By the way. It was rebuilding though, and I I still to this day think Tate Thompson still has some upside, or at least there was value. But we're not going to get into that because we went into that last show. Yes, but just saying, twelve points in a full AHL yes. season is not it's not good. Anyways, anyways, uh, it was just the fact that they looked like they were going to be rebuilding. There wasn't positive signs. I don't signs. think you can consider. Ma- and then they. Decided- I don't think you can consider Matt Hunwick a rebuilding move. Connor Sheary maybe. Connor Sheary, maybe Jeff Skinner, maybe when you have Jeff a, Skinner was Nick, definitely a help. 
move for Jack Eichel. When you have a meh mm-hmm. prospect pool, or your prospect pool hasn't made the jump yet to replace someone like Kyle Opozo, what? How have you not? Anyone is better than Kyle Opozo. Anyways, uh, <laughs> their prospect pool isn't good enough. I mean, the Colin Miller and Yoki trade, though, were good. But yes, you're right about that. Yep. And it's for good reason, too, that makes sense that, like, literally their whole scouting team was released and fired over the last yep. few days. So part of that is on the scouting with guys with pass drafts picks, Casey Mills, that Alex Nylander, some both top 10 picks that did not pan out at all for Buffalo. The only times that they had draft picks that really panned out early or like midway in the first round in the last decade was Jack Eichel and Rasmus Dahlin. Jack Eichel and Rasmus Dahlin. Who were obviously both the first overall picks in both drafts respectively. Or, sorry, Jack Eichel was after McDavid, I believe. But still, they're both elite talents that there was no way they're – if they somehow busted, it would – I don't know. But It's a miracle uh, if they busted. Obviously, though, like they were good with their like top two – their second and first round – first overall picks, but – the top 10 where you also build your team around, they they just didn't – You see – They didn't do a good job my, and drafting their guys. Here's my gripe. I don't think you should have fired Jason Botterill. I think he understands exactly where the team is at. Don't get me wrong. Did he make a couple moves to try and give them a one-year stint of success to try and draw some free agent traction? Maybe. I think that's a safe assumption to say. This offseason, whenever it happens to be – First off, they don't have to worry about paying Vladimir Sabatka because he's a UFA. Matt Hunwick is 35 years old and is a UFA. He's on long-term IR as well. Going into this upcoming offseason, they have $36 million in cap space. They are going to have – if Kevin Adams is smart, this is what I like to refer to it as. If Kevin Adams is smart, he will pull an Iserman and understand from a business standpoint it might not be good. But you need one season of full tank. A full tank season. The Detroit Red Wings had that this season. And now they're going to slowly start going up. We saw with Ottawa. We saw with Ottawa. After the Hoffman thing, they traded Hoffman. They traded Duchesne. They traded Carlson. It was yesterday's the Hoffman situation that we all were clear about. So Carlson was definitely going to get traded. But they also let go of Hoffman. They also traded Duchesne. Duclair was also traded some in the midst of that as well. There was a bunch of trades that Ottawa did. Mark Stone was traded like a year later. Like Ottawa, yeah, as you're saying, to your credit, like Ottawa went into a full tank and now they're on the up and up. And you, especially and Meek sort of are saying Ottawa could be a contender next year in the and in the next two, three years. So I agree with your point that Buffalo just needs to I mean the fact too it or sorry, let me rephrase that. As a matter of fact, if you look at Buffalo's contract situation, they have a ton of guys who are coming off the books. I mean, they're for, forward-wise, they only have Eichel, Skinner, uh, Okpozo, and Johansson signed for the next season that are on their actual NHL roster. And defense, you have Ristolainen, who's going to get traded, Colin Miller, uh, and Jacob McCabe, and then you have Darlene and Yoki Harju. They have the ability just to let go of most of their guys. They have a few RFAs, but for the most part, they have the ability to just send everyone out, keep all Mark. If Kevin Adams is smart, you sign Dominic Cahoon to a bridge deal because he has the potential to be a 50-point winner. You sign Reinhardt. On the, on the, in the top two line. You sign Reinhardt to give Eichel that top tier because he's a top-tier winger. 
top tier wing you, help, or I, you separate them and you pull a uh, one two, you know, line one, line two punch like I made David Dreisaitl. I'd say what well, you, you mm-hmm, sign especially, Victor, you sign Victor Olofsson. I'd say you just bring back your RFAs. The RFAs that I see on Cap Friendly, Sam Reinhardt, Cahoon. L- Lawrence, Lawrence Pilute is going to the yeah. KHL. And then uh, Curtis Lazar. Brandon Montour. Curtis Lazar doesn't no matter. But, yes, as you're saying, Brandon Montour, Reinhardt, Cahoon, Olafson, and Linus Olmark should all be signed. Tage Thompson, too, to a small deal as well. But all the UFAs, just let him go. It doesn't matter. Like, Wayne Simmons, Frolik, VC. Zemus Zemgis I can't speak. Maybe bring him back because I liked some of the flashes that he had. Johan Larson, get rid of him. Get rid of all. Have some younger guys fill in the spots that they leave and maybe sign a few veteran players that want to come for some reason. But yeah, as I completely agree with you, Logan. Tear, just tear it down. You need a year of absolute, like, a absolute. I, I really think Kevin Adams needs to think about where it, it is not hard to see that this is not a the, the current roster is not a talented roster. I love Jack Eichel. Jeff Skinner had a down year, but I don't think he's going to have. He, he is bound for a bounce back year. Yeah. He's bound. Yeah. There, you, don't, you don't have a 40 goal scoring year come off into like a 47 point season. And then not bounce back to around sixty-five yeah. points. There's no. I don't see Jeff Skinner a young. I consider him young in the grand scheme of things. A a fast player like Jeff Skinner, you don't see that. Yeah, Marcus Johansson, obviously. Who Marcus Johansson is a great depth player. I like He's him a, a lot. Top six. Guy. And then you have obviously you have Reinhardt, who we're all very high on. And then you have Cahoon Olafson, who who showed some very positive signs. And then on defense, you trade Ristolainen because obviously he wants out and. The last thing he, he, you can you can you can flip Ristolainen for a second and a third. Yeah, maybe enough. Maybe a team, a team that needs a top four defense. Maybe a team who goes in for a first because he's only twenty five right now, so he still hasn't hit his D man prime yet. He's not, first, he's not a first rounder. Maybe uh, late first. Here's I the biggest. Know. Here's the biggest issue that you have in Buffalo, like in places like Ottawa and Detroit, where you're rebuilding. You don't have a superstar. Jack Eichel is a superstar. Dylan Larkin, I all credit to him. He's a great player. I love him. But he's not a superstar. He's a really solid player, but he's not great. Excuse but, me. Hold on. Let me finish. You're you can't you can't argue with me that Dylan Larkin is as good as Jack. He's Hank. not a top twenty player in the league, and nor is Tomas Chabot. So yes, I so I agree with you on along those lines. Continue. So he's so here's okay. one. Well, later. Here's okay. the, here's the thing. Eichel has already publicly said he wants out. Now, not, what, necessarily. Remained, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Well, no. okay. He Let's, does not want out. He's frustrated. He's, There's a yes. difference. Frustration and wanting out are two That's different fair. things. Frustration okay, can lead to wanting say, out, but yes, he did not actually say that. But continue, Noah. That's true. You're right. He didn't say he wants out, but it would, seems pretty clear that something needs to change. Now, whether that change was he needs to change teams, whether that change was administration change, or blah, 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 whatever. If this, if changing the GM and 21 other key pieces of Buffalo's organization was the change Eichel needed to stay, then all power to him. But if it wasn't, and you're looking for a rebuilding season, how are you, how are you going to convince Buffalo, or how are you going to convince Eichel, who wants nothing more than to make the playoffs? You're, you, it's tough to go up to him after him saying, I'm frustrated with us losing a lot, and saying, hey, Eichel, we're planning on losing 50 games next, next season so we can uh, have a better future. How, how, how well do you think that's going to sit with him? I I think what 
I okay. think the situation, though, is he's 23. This is the way I'm picturing this right now. You do – you have five – if I'm the GM, if I'm hired as the new GM for Buffalo and they're like, you're, you're just some random kid in Northbrook. Here, take the keys to our organization. You play franchise mode. You've led teams in Stanley Cup. Do it. <laughs> I give a five-year span of rebuilding. If in those five years we have made the playoffs only once, there's no sign that we're on the up and up. We're either just missing the playoffs or just not making it at all. I trade Jack Eichel away. He has two years left on his contract. It's more movable. It's $10 million. I can't deal with Jack Eichel that far into his career where now he's like, I, I, it wouldn't Joe Thornton basically. Yeah. I wouldn't be able just to deal with that. I would have to trade him after five. I'd give five years. And after those five years, if things still aren't working out, I'd say, all right, we have to just completely blow it up. Jack Eichel needs to go. I don't want to trade him now because he's 23, but once he gets to 28, there's still a lot of value in him, which he should, unless anything happens to him, knock on wood. But if he continues to play how he is at his level, if, if, Buffalo openly says Jack Eichel is on the block. We are taking offers and phone calls. I guarantee you at least half the league will be calling in some way. It might be a small inquirements, but there's going to be like half, half the league. I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if it was that low. I'm being realistic. Jack Eichel's who knows? Yeah, who knows? My point is though, I give him, I give five years for a rebuild. And if things aren't going up and up or tinkering isn't working, chemistry's not happening. I, I, I just trade him when his contract's movable and, Team, I can still get enough value out of him and build towards the future and just go hardcore to rebuild. That's just my. Sure. That's just how I envision it. I know it could. It may have gotten a bit confusing during that ex- explanation, and I apologize for that. But hopefully, you guys can get some pieces out of that. No, basically, it's you're keeping Eichel until uh, you're basically keeping Eichel until you feel like he's until you feel like his men- his mentalities could be more of a detriment to the team than. His skills are a benefit. And there's no benefit. Like, and Jack Eichel is not is starting to become more of the problem then. Or he's just not fitting what they have, their long-term outlook. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because so if they want... I'm going to step in real quick. One, knowing you make a point, he's frustrated. I wouldn't want to have another losing season. But if you're Kevin Adams, you're coming in, you want to make a good impression on your captain, you reason with him. Jack... Listen, I understand where you're at. I don't want to have a losing franchise either. We got to play for two seasons. We have, to, we have to play for next season. And by that, I mean we're going to have one probably really bad season where we got a top five pick. And then we're, go- we're, we're going to have the assets. We're going to trade for the assets. We're going to sell the assets to have the draft picks and the young prospects in the season to be competitive again. And that second season after that, we're going to be in the playoffs. He has to reason with him, and if Jack Eichel doesn't want to reason with him, he should not be the captain. He he doesn't. He shouldn't have be on the team. He should be traded. Mentality, exactly. He should. He doesn't have that mentality to be to understand that it is a. Or it, there are things that an organization must do to set themselves up, and having a bad season might be one of them. Secondly, you have. I'm pretty. I don't know if I said it earlier in the podcast. I might have. I take back what I said about their prospect pool. It's okay. John Sebastian D is ready to make the is ready to make the jump. Uh, Dylan Cousins will likely play in the NHL next season. I don't. Or he'll be in the AHL. He's either, but he'll definitely he, be. He 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 
there's already a report that come out that came out that said Dylan Cousins will either play in NHL season or he will play his last year in juniors. He will not play in the AHL. Okay. Casey Middlestat can play third line minutes. He can probably learn to be an outside winger type player. I don't see a reason that he wouldn't. He, he he's a pretty impressionable player. He's still young. He still has a lot of time left. He's also uh, he, he's on the uptrend in terms of his points. You have a young, very talented goaltender in Lukanen Ukopeka, or Ukopeka Lukanen. My bad. Uh, that that's on your team for at least another two seasons. You have, if you're Kevin Adams, you have to play. You have to pull a Iserman, a Stevie Y, and play. You have to play for the next season. I agree. You have to prepare for the next season. Their draft picks for the 2021 draft, they currently have what basically a pick, a pick around. They can trade off assets in this offseason. They can definitely trade off, uh, you know, they can flip a couple guys if, they want to try and flip Tage Thompson because he still has he still has some value for a second or a third rounder. They can do that and get a decent pick for next season. Uh, they can move around jo- Johan Larson. They have guys to move around. Jimmy Vesey is a UFA. If he doesn't sign, they can trade him for picks in, in hopes that he'll sign there in, in, on the other team. They have assets to move around to play for the next season, I think that's what Kevin Adams has to do. Yeah. I really think that's what he has I to think do. You're, I agree. I think what you're – from what I'm understanding is you're going more of a shortened version of kind of what I was saying. Like my five-year idea, but like a season basically or a season or two and just seeing where we're at. You have, you have, you have a season and a half where it's bad. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 rec- I, I don't think there's anything wrong starting from the bottom, f- starting from the ground up for Buffalo. And for San Jose specifically. Yeah. Those are the two teams that come to mind that really need a bottom-up revamp of their yes. team. The problem is, is like, Buffalo Two isn't... bad seasons, it's a bad season, right back in it. But, like, Buffalo isn't starting from the bottom up. They have a top-20 player on their team. San Jose is a little bit different. They have different. a top-10 player. Okay, even more to my point. They have top-10 <laughs> player on their team. Like, San Jose is starting with, like, Kevin LeBanc is, like, probably, like, their best and they're like kind of brightest hope the future logan couture timo meyer but like i mean logan couture is only 31 yeah uh hurdle is their next youngest player timo meyer kevin LeBanc. sure but like you that's their core yeah exactly and evander kane that's their core the thing is on the on on the front end they have buffalo has younger guys san jose is very old we've discussed this before i don't think that buffalo is at like the very bottom they're not like ottawa they're not like detroit Detroit had a, the rebuilding scene this year, but we'll go with Ottawa. They're not like Ottawa, where they're just kind of sitting at the bottom hoping something happens. They have a top 10 player on their team who can make plays, and they have some eh, some help for him, I guess. Um, so, like, they're not directly at the bottom. So if you want to say, like, if, you wanna, if you're saying, if you're Kevin Adams, you're like, I want to go all the way to the bottom, guarantee myself <laughs> a first-round pick, you – if you are looking to go into a fa- into like a two or three year rebuild, then Eichel's on the block, Reinhardt's on the block, and uh, Linus Olmark's on the block. Before we keep going on with the podcast, I'd like to point out something real quick. Looking, if you look at Buffalo's draft picks this season, they have six draft picks. They don't have one in the third. They don't have one in the sixth. They have two sevens. Now we're going to go to yeah. the Red Wings, and we're going to take a look at them. They have one first-round pick this year, three seconds, two-thirds, 
and then a fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. And then next year they have a first, two seconds, two thirds, and then all their other picks. Now we're going to go to Ottawa, who's in our – these are all just going to be rebuilding teams I'm talking about real quick. They have three firsts, one is conditional. They have four seconds, two thirds, a fourth, a fifth, two sixths, and no seventh. The following season they have a first, they have three seconds, they have – and then every round they after that they have one pick. Then we go to the Kings, who are another rebuilding team. A first-round pick, three seconds this year, two-thirds, two-fourths, fifth, sixth, seventh. Following year, one first, two seconds, two-thirds, one's conditional, two-fourths, one's conditional, fifth, sixth, seventh. If you want to Basically, be a rebuilding Jason, team, you way, need draft Jason picks. Botterill had, Jason yep. Botterill had a handful of conditional picks in his, in his, in his uh, utility belt this season. The thing is, and though, the, he kept trading season, draft He traded picks. them off trying – to have instant success. That, I think, was his biggest downfall, trying to have an instant impact I completely impact agree. Trade. If you're looking to rebuild or make progress as a bottom team or, like, near the bottom, you need every draft pick. You can six picks. You need eight, nine, ten picks. You need two first-round picks or at least two or three second-round picks if you want to actually start rebuilding. And until yep. Buffalo starts regaining some of those draft picks that they lost, and, I mean, if they even collected some of the St. Louis Blues, they got her to the San Jose and like kept those picks that they had been received that aren't ha- that haven't been used as as drafted or haven't been drafted yet, like their later picks. They'd be somewhat fine, but they need draft picks. I feel like that's the big thing though for Buffalo right now is if you look at them and compare them with the other bottom theater teams, but aside from San Jose, they're all getting draft picks. Like at, I think they all at least had like five first and second round picks combined this season and like Mm -hmm. four five picks next year as well like even the kings as i said one first three seconds two thirds and two fourths and then they have all their picks you can't be especially now for buffalo you cannot be trading your draft picks i don't care what round it is you cannot be trading draft picks if you're the buffalo Sabres. you need to be getting as many draft picks as you can when the when draft day comes trade up by all means but, but until you then, need the assets. Hold on to them. This, 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 this is your draft, and next year's draft is your draft to start loading up for the future. You, you play this. You fail this season to win the next two. That's what you got to do. He, there is nothing wrong with that mindset. From a business standpoint, it might suck. But the Buffalo Sabres have the same. You have to remember what Buffalo is. You have to remember what other team is in Buffalo. The Bills. The Bills Mafia and the Buffalo Sabres fans are the exact same people. They are crazy. They will support and buy their merchandise like it's going out of style. They made $136 million last year in profit. Business is not going down the drain by any means. I don't think there would be a problem if one season was on purposely bad. Two seasons were on purposely bad. And then they're right back in it. Yeah, but... I, think that, I think the fans would be okay with it. The problem comes where you're like, okay. So here's, here's the thing. Imagine that bottle, how many t- that no, no, I'm going to give you your point, but real quick. Sure. Imagine not making the playoffs in 2011, being a real, quote, rebuilding, meddling team since then, and now the new GM is going to come up to you, a diehard Buffalo Sabres fan. I don't know why you're Buffalo Sabres fan. But regardless, <laughs> he walks up to you and says, we're going to need another two years where we're going to be ter- We're going to tank on purpose. We need another two years. But if you can guarantee that after those two years, you're going to be in a wild card spot at the least, I will take it. But, it, but, that's, it. but the but thing that's the is, issue. though, if you don't get that spot, you basically lost most of your fan base by then. If you and your don't position. make the playoffs in that third year, you're 
I am willing to ride. I am not. Go- I am not saying I will become a Buffalo Sabres fan. I will Good. ride the Kevin Adams train until he until he's fired. Which I'm, he won't. I'm be- just saying though. I'm just saying you're right about the passionate fan base. I'll give you that. They're very, they're very passionate up in Buffalo with both their teams respectively. But this team is hungry. Their fan base is hungry. They're starving for playoff hockey. And if you're telling them two more years, stay with us, you better be getting that playoff spot the third season. Otherwise, you're out, and so are the fans, and you're losing profits, and then you're rebuilding and going off to Houston. That's where that's – where, that's, that was what I was going to say, right? Like, you have to guarantee that you're in the playoffs. And it's difficult. It's really, you can say really whatever difficult. You, want. you I don't care. You can say that – he could say that they're going to win the Stanley Cup. But if he doesn't do it, the fans are going to be disappointed. Whatever exactly. he says, he needs to show at least that he cares enough. Make a big – that third – that the offseason of the second year entering the third year, if we – let's say this plan that we're talking about where we need two more bad years, but then we'll be back make the last third year. If I'm him and things are not looking good – like I'm – I'm, I'm making trades to acquire big pieces. I'm signing the top – as UFAs that I can with all the money, I'm doing whatever I whatever it takes to keep my job and to show the fa- and keep the fans too, because tr- by by three years it's going to be over ten years since they made a, made the playoffs. Wait, there there's that's, no uh, that's scary. I don't know. I don't know. I think the big the biggest issue for Buffalo is for like I said before for Detroit, for Ottawa, for San Jose even. It's pretty easy to be like, okay, we can rebuild. We have like no pieces. We have draft pick. We have a ton of draft picks. A ton of young talent that we can rely they have five on. Five picks future next things. year, and they have six picks the year after. It's not. It's not enough. And the thing, the another thing is, is you have a superstar on your team, top ten player on your team. It's really difficult to be like, we're rebuilding, but we also have one of the best players in the league. Like those two things don't really go together, right? So it's difficult for the fan base to wrap your head around and say, well, why don't you just make some trades to get Eichel some help, and then we'll be okay, which is the trap that Jason Botterill fell into, right? He's like, well, I want to, I want to rebuild, but I also want to give Eichel some help, and then you can't do both. So the you biggest issue is going to be... Two. Yeah, so you have to full-on commit and to one of them. Because you, you, you theoretically, if uh, Kevin Adams made some ridiculous deals, you could get Eichel some help, and you don't have to rebuild. But if you fail at that, then your whole organization is just completely gone. It's going to crumble to the ground if they like. He can say whatever he wants, as I said. But if they're not in the playoffs by the span that he's given them, the season ticket holders are going to go down. There's going to be less people that show up. Tickets will get cheaper, but no one's going to show up, and something's going to. The Pedrulas will have to sell off the Buffalo Sabres organization. They're not going to solve the Buffalo Sabres organization. That's, that's rolling in money. Well, it's no, because the, the thing is, though, like they'd be running the organization to the ground. They have the bills, so who cares? If they have one organization that's going sour, they can definitely just sell the team, make even more money, and not have to worry about it. Because the bills are on the up and up right now. So yeah. at least Buffalo fans have that going for them. But their the hockey teams. Ugh. Yeah. Biggest issue is you can't fall into the trap of trying to do too many things at once. Commit to one or don't commit to anything. Obviously, you have to commit to one. But like, commit to one or the other. Because if you commit to both, then uh, you're getting fired in three years. Like As Bottle you said, did. no. Look at what happened with Botterill. He got stuck in limbo. Mm-hmm. He didn't know if he was rebuilding or if he was contending. He didn't know where they were. It's, if you tear down the team and you only get 50 points, it's pretty obvious that you know where your team is at. 
you are rebuilding. If you are having a 80-point season, then a 60-point season, you're signing guys, you're training away Ryan O'Reilly, you're signing Jeff Skinner the next, you don't know, you're clueless. You don't know. To his, to his defense, though, like I understand why he's making some of those moves, but also it's like you have to choose your direction. You have to choose your it's been now it's going to be 10 years of Buffalo fans waiting for since the last playoff hockey game for Buffalo. Yep. They they and it's not even like they had a good run. It wasn't even like Ottawa who at least made the Eastern Conference Finals before they went to tank mode. Buffalo has nothing. They've done absolutely nothing since 1999. They need to do something. They there there has to be something that happens in Buffalo for the next few years otherwise there's there will never be a Buffalo Sabres organization. I'm really hoping that Kevin Adams is is the savior of this team, or is the catalyst in the right direction. I think he the, can be. I, I, I he won a cup as a player with uh, Carolina in 2006. He's been the he's been on the business side of a pretty successful business in the Buffalo Sabres for a couple seasons, I think. Maybe yeah, he, sure. Well, that's part he of the knows, reason he why, has, too. Yeah, he was he trusted and sides, he was yeah. put as the GM. Yeah, because there's he that has trust. both sides of the uh, he has both sides of the um, switch. There you go. Both sides. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I I th- I really think he's the guy. I I think this th- there, you know, you you can name a couple of the other candidates that that are, uh, pardon me, out there for GM slots looking for a. Uh, general manager opening Kevin Adams he's gonna build a pretty good team his first job the first job sounds that like he's he already has, tired of the Buffalo Sabres yeah <laughs> the, <laughs> the first main thing that he has to do now is figure out who he's gonna take with his no the first thing he's gotta do is hire 21 new people <laughs> to uh that's true to rebrand this, to rebrand. I'm talking plan. like from but, a t- from a team stamp, like from the actual team standpoint. His first yes, job you can't is to have a team without player development. Yes, exactly. But you you need if if, if I understand what you're the saying. The Pegula's. I understand what you're saying. If the Pe- but, if the Pegula's thought that the problem was player development, which it really wasn't, because the Rochester Americans, their AHL affiliate, was second in their division and seventh in the AHL. Yeah, but Casey Middlestad and uh, Alex Nylander. That doesn't. Casey Middlestad had 35 points in 50-some-odd games. That's, that's pretty not, good. That's not very that's pretty good. He was taking top ten horrible. like four years ago, though. I, I, I mean, I feel like okay. you think by now he'd be a bit better. But go on with your I mean, he only had two professional seasons. Casey Middlestad's only had two professional seasons. Yeah. So Benefit of the doubt. Yes. But still, like, regardless. The, okay, I agree with you. So after the staff signings and after all that, your the, his first mission is just find a good player in the draft that will complement Jack Eichel in the next year or two or in two years. Yes, that is his biggest. That is his biggest. His biggest uh, job, actually, not now players or anything. His biggest job is to convince fans and convince the and convince the light he's at the end of, the that he's going in the, the right light direction. is at the end of the tunnel. Yes, that's what and he to convince them. The, if the NHL wants to pull off some sketchy moves, like how they may have done with Patrick Kane and may have done with Sidney Crosby, they find a way that Buffalo mysteriously gets the first overall pick in the draft. How weird. 
they get Lafreniere. He would be a great compliment to Jack Eichel. I'm not saying they would rig it for Buffalo, but I'm, I'm failing franchise, lower franchises with big markets. Well, that's Detroit, or with medium, if anything. I, I don't know. Maybe It would be really weird and coincidental if Buffalo wins the draft lottery this year. Not I'm just saying that. In hell. Not a chance in hell. Look, if, if they win the draft lottery this year, uh, I'll eat a hat. That's what I'll do. All but right, then again, let's be honest, podcast, though. I'll eat a hat. Let's be honest, though. <laughs> Prior to my remarks earlier today, the team that's going to win the lottery is obviously the Coyotes because they have Taylor Hall. But <laughs> if the NHL wants <laughs> to do some sketchy that. work, they can definitely give Buffalo the first overall pick. And no one would know yeah. except for me. Except for, you know, a couple people. People forget Gary Bettman rigs the draft. People do forget that is the thing that he does, I suppose. Look at the Blackhawks in 08. <laughs> Look at the Pittsburgh Penguins in 05. Five oh six, maybe something sure. like that. Regardless, there's there has been some sketchiness that has gone on in the NHL draft in years past. And Kirby Doc, topic the Rangers, the Hawks, and the Devils. Neither none of them were in the top three with uh, projection wise. But well, okay, the Devils are a different story because they were the Rangers. The Rangers certainly the were Rangers sketchy. and Hawks, two big mm. franchises, two big markets. Who knows? I don't know. Um, but that's for another what if. Um, we I've been watching those two. That, <laughs> that is about all we really have for this. If it was a little confusing, Jason Bottero being fired is a confusing and complex subject. Hence the aftermath of everything all the time uh, around this. Um, like... J- Everyone wanted Jason Bottero out. Well, almost everyone wanted Jason Bottero out. But there was so many spider... You know, he was like a spider. You chop, you chop one leg off, you have seven others that you got to deal with, and all seven legs got chopped off at once. That That is a terrible analogy. It was a very complex firing. And so if this podcast was rambly, that's why. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Puck Talk Live podcast. It's a joy, as always, sharing our thoughts with you, the people of the internet. Uh, we got shows every Tuesday and every Thursday. Not every Thursday. Every Tuesday and Friday. Hit us up on Instagram. At Puck Talk Live. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor.fm. Under the Puck Talk Live podcast handle. Shoot us a DM. Get into an argument with us. Tell us your dreams, aspirations, predictions, anything. We will respond. Noah, plug yours. I know I always go with Rafa, but I'm changing it up. Maybe we can get a little superstition going. Maybe we can get hockey back quicker if we do this. Noah, plug yours. Noah underscore Foster 18 for Instagram. Rafi, hit, uh, what's yours? Rafi S8019. LJ Rosengard on Twitter. Hit us all up. Hit up the Puck Talk Live Instagram page, everything, all the time. Tell us what you want to hear about. Tell us what you want to talk about. Tell us what you want us to discuss. Thank you once again for listening to the episode. Tuesdays, Fridays, Spotify, Apple, Anchor. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. My name's Logan Rosengard, and we'll see you guys on the next podcast.